Wow. All right, guys. Hey, welcome to New Life. My name is Jeff Baker. I'm one of the pastors on staff. If you guys want to go ahead and find a seat, that would be awesome. It would be great. I want to welcome all of you that are guests here worshiping with us today. I also want to say hello to all of those that are worshiping with us in our venue, as well as those that are worshiping with us currently right now in North Platte. It's a great time. Right now at this 1045 time slot, we actually have three services going on simultaneously that are a part of New Life. That's, that's a great milestone. That's a great moment in history. Yeah. I mean, we right now, think about it. There's three groups of people, all right? that are worshiping together, all of us heading the same direction with the same message, that's exponential growth. I mean, if you went fishing, you could fish with one fishing pole or you could fish with three fishing poles, I guarantee you, you're catching more fish with three, all right? And uh, our whole goal is to try to catch as many people for Christ as we can and take them on an authentic relationship with God. So out in North Platte last week, by the way, which are our very first Sunday out there, there was 119 people that were out there. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. Now, uh, let's, let's do a little math, okay? 119. There was about 30 carny people that went out to help support this brand new kind of kickoff. So if you can do math, that leaves about 90. Very good. Very good. Yeah. I saw some of you turning to the person next to you. Uh, what's the number? It's 90. So that means 90 people from North Platte walked through the door on the very first week. That's a great way to get started. Wow. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. I'm, I'm totally excited about it. Man, it's, it's amazing what God's doing. And um, I want to thank so many of you guys that have been a part of it. You can see some pictures that are up here. Here's a picture of people gathering in the lobby. Um, you know, here's just, uh, they're not great photos, but I mean, here's a picture from the back. Uh, just to give you an idea of, you know, what was going on, kind of what it looks like out there, I would encourage you that if you get a Sunday that you would like to drive out to North Platte and worship with your church family, New Life, in North Platte, I would encourage you to do it sometime. I think you'll be inspired. I think you'll be encouraged. Drive out there. The worship starts at 1045. But listen, if you attend New Life on a regular basis and you're going to drive out to North Platte, get there a little bit early. All right, and then find out what you can do, how you can serve, because there's a lot of different ways you can serve if you drive out there. They might quickly throw you at a door to greet um, or to help usher. You know, they might even ask you to do, you know, a couple of little things. So just be aware of that. Drive out there and be willing to serve a little bit. That would be awesome. That's just part of our DNA, all right? We are one church in multiple locations, and we're going to continue to grow and impact the kingdom of God in great ways. Well, as part of our, um, our, our teaching series today, um, this is part two. Um, this is a two-part sermon that I'm delivering on the DNA of new life. Who has God called us to be? Why are we the way that we are? And what are we trying to do with, um, with what God's given us? So that's kind of where we're running today. Have you ever been in a place where, um, man, you tasted a food that was just out of this world and you had to, turn some, had to turn to someone and ask them, like, what is in that? What's in that meal? Have you ever had that happen to you? Right? And you're always pleasantly surprised how, you know, how hopefully simple it was and how no crazy things were in there. Um, have, you, have you ever, though, been in a place where you were offered some food and you looked at it and you went, uh-uh, before I eat this, I got to know what's in it. Okay. All right. I'm with you. Now, 
Earlier this year, I was in the beautiful, amazing country of South Korea, of which we have a number of South Korean students that worship with us at our Carney location. Come on, come on, give it up, guys. Yeah. Now, when I was there, I'm just going to tell you, their, um, their palate of food is quite different than ours, all right? But it's amazing. But I remember some of the first meals sitting down at the table, literally sitting down on the ground, right, at the table, which was fun. It was a blast. And then I had all these different dishes that were out there, and I started asking the question before I would consume them, what is this? What's in this? And to the best of their ability, they would try to tell me of which half the words I didn't understand, right? It was broken English. The other half were words I'd never heard before. And I realized very quickly, if I was going to survive for these few days I'm in South Korea, I'm just going to have to buckle down and start eating food. I don't even know what it is. And I'm going to say to you that everything I ate was amazing. You should hop on a plane, fly to South Korea. They've got, some, they got an amazing country, and they have some amazing food. God really has blessed you guys. So thank you for being here with us. Now, that was one experience. Now, last weekend, though, I was at a Husker football party. I'm there. I'm getting a little hungry. I go over to the table. There's some chocolate chip cookies. I grab about three of them because that seemed about right. And... And I start eating these cookies, and I'm just like, wow, these are great cookies. These are amazing cookies. They're moist. There's a lot of chocolate in them. Who made these cookies? And then one person that was there was like, I made those cookies. I'm just like, wow, those are amazing cookies. You've got to tell me, what did you put in those cookies? And they just looked at me and went, those are Pillsbury Doughboy cookies. (laughs) And I was like... Well, I didn't realize I had set my standard, so I got to bring it up a little bit, you know, like Pillsbury Doughboy. I'm, I'm, I'm blown away by Pillsbury Doughboy. It's because they're made with what? Love. Love. That's right. <laughs> Love is the ingredient. Love is the ingredient that makes, that makes it so amazing. Well, here at New Life, I know that there's a number of you that have, you, you would call New Life your home church, right? And you've tasted of what happens around here, and you liked it, and so you stayed, but do you really know what's in it? Just because you like it, just because you're like, well, I like the preaching, or I like the worship, or I, I love the people. But do you really know what makes new life? Just because you tasted something, you said it was good, doesn't mean you know what's in it. And that's why we're doing this DNA teaching series, is because we want to help you know what's in it if you're a new lifer. Now, we know that there's a number of people that are here and they're listening to our voice today that are, you're checking our church out and you're wondering, is this a church that I should become a part of? Should I belong to? And I want to say to you, before you make that commitment, listen to today's sermon. Go back, if you weren't here last week, go back to our new website, mynewlifechurch.com. Listen to last week's sermon. It's there in video format. It's also there in podcast format. Listen to both of those so you can get a real good gist of who we are. So that that way you know what it is you're really committing yourself to. Because I'm going to tell you here at New Life, there's a lot of things that you see on the surface um, that are really good. But there's a lot of depth to us. We are not just a coffee donuts kind of a church. All right? Although we do like coffee and donuts, they were just out there in the lobby, all right? And we want to try to make our coffee good, and I hope that it is. And if it's not, please tell somebody, and we'll get different coffee. And we want, we want donuts because we want our second service here at New Life to just be jacked up on caffeine and sugar, right? It just helps. It helps everybody. So, no, we're not just a donuts and coffee church. There's a lot of depth to us. 
There's a lot of things that are happening underneath the service, service, uh, surface that is very purposeful, very purposeful, and I want you to know about some of those things. That's why last week we, we started our journey by talking about how we want to be attractive towards seekers, that we feel like it's, it's important, it's our calling, it's what God's asked us to do, to be attractive towards people that have yet to give their life to Christ but are on a journey to discover who Jesus is. And we want everything that we do to make sure that it's a place where you can walk in, you can sit down in one of our venues, and you can go, you know what, this is a safe place to be me. It's a safe place to explore who God is. We want that. We want that really badly. There's another piece, though, that we talked about last week. We said we want, um, we feel like God's called us, part of our DNA, is to have relevant teaching in real life. That we want the teaching that we provide here at our church, whether it's in a life group or it's on this platform on a Sunday or it's in a Sunday school classroom, we want the teaching to be relevant. Meaning we want God's word to really be practical to our lives. We don't want to just preach in religious hyperbole. We don't want to just throw around words that no one understands, that they can't really put together, that it makes us all sound smart, but we don't know what in the world we're doing. We want to take God's word, which is the good news, and break it down to its simplest format and then apply those principles to our lives so that we can live a real Christian life. Not a Christianese life, not a fake plastic Christian life, but a real one where people, they have flaws. They stumble, they fall, they fall flat on their face, and they know what it means to repent and to stand back up and to keep moving forward. That we're a church that we know that you're not going to be perfect and you're going to make mistakes, but we're going to love you right where you're at. We're just not going to leave you there. That's the kind of place we want to be. And that we also know that God has led us to become part of our DNA, one church in multiple locations. One church in multiple locations. And we know that that's something that we feel strongly about. That we're not supposed to just use all the resources for us. That we're supposed to use our resources to expand God's kingdom. That's why we just planted North Platte. One church, multiple locations. So we're going to continue on in the sermon. We're going to pick it up with the fact that part of our DNA is to have passionate worship. Passionate worship. Psalms 118 says this. This is the day that who's made it? The Lord has made. And we will what? We will rejoice and be glad in it. We believe that this is the day that the Lord has made. Sunday, as an example, corporately to gather together in worship. That we would come together and that we would worship God with that joy and with that gladness. That this is a day that he's made. And so we believe that worship should be directed to God alone. And that Jesus is the center of our worship. We don't believe that we should be worshiping anything else. We don't believe that we should give, you know, time to worship anything else. That there isn't any other name in which we should worship. That we haven't come in to worship fellowship with one another. Or we haven't come in to worship, you know, an atmosphere. We've come in to worship Jesus and him alone. We also believe that it's, that it's a part of our DNA to worship and to declare the authority of God. That in our worship, we would declare that Jesus is the Lord of lords and the King of kings, and there is no other name uh, above him. That he created all things for him and by him. We believe that we've come into this place to declare that. We believe that when we come together, like the Bible says, that where we join together, where two come together in the name of Jesus, he is here in our midst. That the presence of God through the Holy Spirit meets us in our worship. 
And that we don't just come to go through religious routine, but yet we come to meet with the very presence and the very power of God through his spirit. And we come doing that to declare the authority of God. That when people walk through our doors, they should walk away going, I don't know what just happened, but man, that was way different than anything I've ever been to in a positive way. That when they come, when you come, that you should walk out of our doors going, I have met with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I've met with the majestic power of Christ. But you should walk out of these doors going, it wasn't just a religious routine that we went through, but that I met with God. That's important to us. We believe that worship should come from a hungry heart that really wants to know God. A hungry heart. Not a heart that's trying to manipulate God. Like, God, watch this. Watch how much I lift my hands. God, watch how, watch how loud I sing for you. God, watch this. Watch that. No, it's not about that. We don't, we're not trying to earn brownie points with God. We're just coming before God, worshiping me because we're hungry to know him. We believe God put that hunger inside of us. We believe that there is that void that's in us, that God has, he's pulling us to himself you know, like gravity works on a planet, that God's pulling himself to us. And that the hungry, they find God. That the hungry, when they seek God with all their hearts, that we literally find God in powerful ways. We believe that there's many expressions of worship, especially when we come and we gather corporately here on a Sunday, like Psalms 100 says. It says, shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with what? Gladness, come before him singing with joy. I mean, look at all the expressions that are there. There's a lot of them. He says that we should come and express joy. Yeah, this shouldn't be something that you're like, oh, I gotta go to church again. Oh, can't believe it. That's not what it should be. It should be something where there's joy, right? It says that we should be glad in our worship. Yeah, you've heard me say it before, but sometimes you just need to remind your face that God is the king of kings. Sometimes you need to remind your face that you can be joyful and glad, that you should be in this place and you should be able to look across one of our auditoriums and see on the face of people this just desire to go, wow, God, you're amazing. There should be that joy. There should be that gladness in our worship. It also says that we should sing, just even sing with joy. That's why we have a worship team. It's because God's word says, sing with joy. So I want to encourage you when our worship teams lead us, join in. Join in and sing to the Lord. You go, well, man, I don't know that song. It's a new one. Okay, good. Sing to the Lord a new song from your heart then. Just because you don't know the words to a song doesn't mean you can't worship. But I'm going to tell you this. The, the songs we pick are very purposeful. We're not just randomly picking things. We pick them because we feel like they fit that service. We're trying to be diligent about that to lead you. Now, these expressions are very outward. They're very, you know, maybe more vocal. But there's other expressions of worship, such as, you know, maybe humbling, humbling yourself before God in quietness. There's moments for that. There's moments for bowing before God. When you just sense, wow, man, the majestic power of God is in this place. This is the other week I, I did that. I just knelt down right where I was at, right in the front. I just knelt to the ground because I realized the power and the presence of God was in this place and that just felt like the right thing to do was to kneel before him. You know, but you might also find yourself raising hands in worship out of obedience and surrender. You know, I recently had my, my a couple of my grandchildren were, um, from Omaha were here in Kearney. And 
My oldest grandson, who's just getting ready to turn three, when I would come home from the church, he, he would just like, he would see me no matter where he was at, and he would come running. Even if I couldn't see him, he heard the door and he'd be just running, right? Toy in one hand, maybe, you know, some kind of a drink in the other hand, and things are sloshing and splashing all over the place. And he's like, Papa, Papa, Papa. And he's just running, and he's got his hands out like this, right? Now, you, you do need to know that I, I walked in the door, and I just put my bag down, and I just went and did my own thing. I didn't even pay any attention to him. Does that sound ludicrous? That's because it would be. When you have a little three-year-old who's running at you going, Papa, 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 you figure out how quick you can lay your laptop bag down so that you can pick this little kid up, hold him in your arms for a few moments, because all he wants to do is give you a hug and maybe splash some Kool-Aid on you and then get back down and go play. But you're going to pick that kid up. And if you don't, there's something wrong with your heart. You need a heart check. When we come to God, arms raised, hands out, it's like that little grandson running to God going, Dad, I need you. I want you. Everything you are is what I want to be. I just want to spend time with you. It's that abandonment. It's that God, there's nothing else. I don't even know what else to do but to raise my hands and declare that, you know, you are the Lord. I want to tell you that that's one of the expressions of worship that you're going to experience here. Because worship is like art. You know, there's a lot of different forms of art. Right? There's painting. I'm not even going to get them all, so I'm going to offend somebody who has a certain type of art that I'm not going to mention, so I apologize now. But there's painting. There's sculpting. Right? There's pottery. There's even camera. Take a picture. And there's computer. There's digital art. There's all different types of art, but in the, in the end, it's what? It's all art. And there's all different types of expressions of worship, whether it's shout to the Lord. Man, I wanted to do that at the beginning of this thing. When we were do, going through some of those songs, in fact, I did. I just didn't do it super loud because I didn't want to be annoying to you, right? And, you know, so I just was like, yes, God, you, you, you're amazing. And then there's this moment. There's all different kinds of expressions. And all these expressions go together and they make the body. And on a Sunday morning, we're expressing worship to God. And I want to encourage you to be passionate in your expressions of worship to God. Do that. Why? Because it's attractive and it's contagious. That's why. It's attractive to outsiders when they walk in. You know, wow, I don't even know what's going on here, but this place is alive. It's attractive to those who are walking in off the streets who have been burnt and hurt by religion in the past. To see authentic worship, it's attractive. And then not to mention, it's contagious. That when people around you are worshiping God passionately, and the Holy Spirit's moving in their lives. It's contagious. Other people kind of go, I don't want, I, I want what they've got. I, I want to worship. I want to touch God like they're touching God. So we designed our service to try to help facilitate that. So the DNA of our church, passionate worship, it starts with someone greeting you right at the time we're supposed to start, 9 o'clock. You go, well, man, I've, I've never experienced that before. That's because you haven't been here when we start, Right? You're, you're one of the folks that likes to fashionably show up a little late. So, but what we do at the beginning is we, we greet people. We say, hey, thanks. Thanks for being here. Why don't you join with us and worship with us? And then we go into a few songs. And those songs are typically more upbeat. And they're, they're really designed just to get you primed and focused on what God's wanting to do in your life. Because we know you're coming out of the world. You're coming out of the workplace. You're driving here with family. And what happens on the drive to church almost every Sunday? <laughs> 
or what tries to happen in the drive to church every Sunday, right? Some kind of an argument. Some, uh, something's going on. We know that you're coming with all kinds of thoughts on your mind and your heart. We want to help you focus. We want to help you dial down, start focusing in on the fact that you're here to worship God. And then there's the next phase of worship, which is uh, during our announcements, there's a moment that, we're, that we give you to worship God in giving. And I want to encourage you, let your giving be a form of worship. It's not going to do anybody any good if it's not, if, especially you, if you're not giving out of a heart of worship. If you're not giving out of, it, out of a heart of thankfulness. Going, God, thank you for everything that you've done. Thank you for all that you provided for me. God, I want to be a part of building your kingdom, so I'm giving financially. I want to encourage you, give out of a heart of worship. You go, well, man, Jeff, I use the online giving now, and I, I'll give maybe like on Friday night at 3 o'clock in the morning. Well, good. When you click send, do it. And then offer a prayer. God, thank you for all that you've given to me. And by the way, the cool thing with online giving is that you can actually, while we're taking offering, you can just get on your smartphone and you can just give right then. That's kind of a cool feature. So I want to encourage you, give out of a heart of worship. Then after that, obviously I'm here. Or one of our, one of our pastors is here. And we're teaching out of God's word. That's worship. Hearing God's word, trying to figure out how to apply it to our lives. Which leads us to that next moment where our worship team comes. Now, we refer to that as our response time because it's your opportunity to respond to God out of what God's been saying to you. That's what makes new life a little unique. You might come from a church where maybe all of the singing worship's done up front and then the pastor preaches, they pray, and then out the door they go. And that's one way to do it. It's just not the way we feel like God's called us to do it. We feel like we're supposed to let the word stand alone, speak for itself, and then give you an opportunity that as God's word has spoke to you, now it's your moment to express your heart to God. And it's that moment that the Holy Spirit can speak to you, and he can nudge you, and he can pull on your heart. And that's why you hear me say often, because at all of our venues, we have altars, which might be a little different for you if you're coming from a different church. But our altars, we say here, are for the hungry. The altars have had a stigma at other churches that they're for the hurting and the people screwed up and messed up. And then nobody wants to come to them because they're not safe. The altars here are for hungry people. People that are going, God, I sense you speaking to me and I want to make a move towards you. And I want to come and I want to kneel down and bow before you. And check this out. If you're in one of our life groups, we've told your life group leader, if you see one of your life group members come to the altar and pray, you let them pray for a little while. You let them soak for a little while. You let them come before God and seek God's heart. But then if they're in your life group, I want you to get out of your seat, life group leader or life group member, and I want you to find your way down with them, kneel down with them and pray with them. There's great encouragement. I mean, there's something about that that warms my heart when I see new life members approach another new life member, kneel down with them and pray. There's something about that that's powerful, powerful, powerful. It's ministry that's happening one to another. So passionate worship should be attractive, and it should be contagious. And that's not something that a pastor can do. That's something that as a body, we get hungry for God and we strive and we seek after him. So passionate worship. But we also know that here, here at, um, at New Life, part of our DNA is we want to grow you into the greatest disciple that God can help you become. We want to be, be an active member in it. We want to be a participant in it. We want to be helping with it however we can. And we know that to do that, uh, requires some kind of a systematic process. So we see your spiritual life in four stages of spiritual growth. We see four stages. We know that 
Jesus gave a mandate to the Christian church to go and make disciples. It wasn't a suggestion. It wasn't something like when you, got, when you have all the resources, when you're big enough, when you've got all the pieces put together. No, he says, I want you, every church, to go and make disciples. He even says it to us as people. And he, and he really drills it home when it comes to pastors. In fact, as a pastor and the pastors of our church, we are in charge with the leadership of making disciples. Take a look at what uh, God's talking to when he's, when he's mentioning pastors and what he's saying here in Ephesians chapter 4. He says that pastors um, and other spiritual leaders, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do God's work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Now, for a moment, part of our DNA, who we are, is that we're supposed to be figuring out how to equip you to do a few things. But before we can get any beyond this, you need to know what the word equip really means here. To equip you means to make you right. To literally, you could take the word, it would literally um, be said that it would be to make you perfect. Which that means that in our church here at New Life, we realize that God is wanting to set our course. He's wanting to take our brokenness and make it right. Just like a broken bone. If you break a bone, it has to be reset, it has to be realigned so that it can grow back together and then become healthy again. So it is in our lives that God is trying to equip us, right, through our pastors and through what he's developed here at our church, but he's trying to equip us through those things and the power of his spirit to get ourselves aligned with him, to take the broken pieces of our lives and to make them right or to make them perfect so that something dynamic can happen. God wants to take your brokenness and make it right so that he can use you in powerful ways. To do what? What does the scripture say? To do his work. His work. So, First and foremost, we have to realize whose church is this? The pastor's church? Maybe it's the board's church. I don't think so. Because that, we were here to do his work, not my work. Is it maybe the person that's been at the church the longest? It's their church. No, it's not their church either. We're being equipped to do God's work. God wants us to be at work for him, so he wants to take our brokenness, which is what new life is all about, Broken people with all kinds of broken aspects to our lives coming every single week going, God, heal them, mend them, build them, perfect them, make them right so that I can be a part of doing great things in your kingdom for your church. And then lastly, that scripture even drilled at home and it said not just to do God's work, but also to build up the church, the body of Christ. That means it starts with you. God wants every single one of us to grow up in our faith so that we can be a blessing to the rest of the body. That God has something in you that he's wanting to equip so they can be given back and it can make an impact in our church. That's why when you look at our bulletin, you'll see it, it will say that the, that the congregation, the ministers, the real ministers of our church are you. Yeah, we've been called, I've been called to be a pastor, but the minister is you. And we've got to figure out how to equip you and empower you and to make broken things right so that God can use you to impact the church. That's exciting. So how do we do that? Well, first off, we see your life as a spiritual journey. And so we've 
We've kind of come up with a simple way to communicate a spiritual journey. It's the uh, most simple way that, I can, that we can conceive. It literally requires a circle and a dot. I don't know if you can get much easier than a circle and a dot. <laughs> but here's the deal. The line, the line represents, it re- represents faith. Faith in, though, Jesus. And then here, the mass inside. This is literally God's kingdom. This is where we've been called to get to. This is where we've been called to live. This is what it means to equip people, equip them in God's kingdom. To do what, though? To get to this spot here, which is the center. And I'm not going to finish writing it out, but it's the center of God's will. You can see that defined right here. The outside line, faith in Jesus. Kingdom of God, and then the center of God's will. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to help you get to the center of God's will. That's our desire for your life. Why? Because it's God's desire for your life. God wants to maximize you. He wants to take broken things, and he wants to bring them to the center of his will, make them healthy and whole, and cause them to be used for his kingdom. Now, there's a journey that goes with this. So let me just kind of, let me kind of show you what I mean by the journey here. Let's redraw the circle really quick. I'm not going to go label everything now, but now what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you how the journey goes. So there's you. Inside of the circle is what? God's kingdom, right? The kingdom of God. To be in the kingdom of God, you have to first get to a spot. So you're out here and you're journeying through the kingdom of man, and then you finally come to this spot right here. What did we call that earlier? We called that the faith in Christ. So at one point of your life, which we call this phase here your step phase, or to come to a point where you're going to learn how to step over the line. This is a pre-Christian phase. This is a phase where you have yet to say that Jesus is your Lord and your leader, but you're on a journey to get to know him to the best of your ability. And so here you are wandering through life. You've come to this line now, and you're standing there and you're going, should I put my complete faith and hope in Christ or should I not? And we're, we're here to encourage you, to help you make that step. We want you to step over the line, and we want you to get into God's kingdom. The second phase of your spiritual journey now starts once you're in God's kingdom. You've made Jesus the Lord and leader of your life. You're wanting to live your life for him. And so we want to teach you now how to walk, and we want to teach you how to walk steady. I mean, remember like little babies. When babies first start to walk, do they walk steady? No, they kind of waddle and fall, right? you got to know that in your spiritual journey, even though you cross over the line and you come into God's kingdom, there's still going to be some waddling. There's still going to be, that's why I've got it drawn out here on the outside, because you're still going to be in that place where there's some of the world that's still living in you that you're going to have to give up over time. And it takes time. So we want to we provide that kind of grace for your life to truly be transformed and truly be changed. But we're wanting to teach you how to walk steady. Now, something dynamic has to happen somewhere along the journey because I've, we've got to figure out how to get you here to the center of God's will and how to live there. So as you're walking steady, all of a sudden there's this moment when you've got to, you've got to make a purposeful turn and you've got to start heading in that 90-degree turn and start heading towards the center of God's will. We refer to that as running straight. It's, it's farther along in your spiritual journey. It's more in-depth. 
You know, you're learning what it means to give more and more and more of your life to Christ. But there's this moment that comes when you make this 90-degree turn and you're like, okay, I've been in God's kingdom. I've been, I've been walking. I've been growing. I've been learning. I've been giving up part of my life to him. I've been enjoying my relationship with him. But, man, I really want to make an impact for God. And so you turn, and we want to teach you how to run straight to get to the center of God's will where you can just circle around. We want you to stay there. You might drift at times, but we want you just to stay there. We want you to get caught in the gravity of God. We want you to get caught at the center of God's will where God's taking all things of your life and he's transforming them. He's converting them to be instruments in his hands that he could use to grow his kingdom. So we see your spiritual journey in these four stages. Now here's the beauty of it all though. We love you. We love you if this is where you're at right here. If that's where you're at, we love you. Okay? If that's where you are, I love you with everything inside of me. But I just love you too much to leave you right there. I want to keep you moving. I want to get you to the line. I want you to start asking difficult questions. If you're right here in your spiritual journey, I love you right there. But know this. God's trying to do something in your life. He's trying to get you here. And so the mission of the church and my mission is to get you there. I want to help you. Get to the center of God's will, but you need to know something. That's going to require you giving of yourself. It's going to require you surrendering of yourself. There's going to be a lot of you dying so that Christ can come alive. This is no easy, easy job. If it were, every church would have it all figured out. And I'm telling you, what we're talking about is one of the more difficult things of the church. Go and make disciples. It's one of the more difficult things of the entire church. We love you right where you are, but we love you too much to leave you there. That's why you'll read different statements around here that say, part of our mission is just to strengthen your journey in Christ. But why? So that you can go strengthen someone else's journey in Christ. It's not just about how strong can we make you. It's about can you take the Jesus that's living in you and go reproduce it in the hearts of someone else? Can you help others? So if I'm you sitting out there right now, the big question that might be racing through my head is where am I at spiritually? Because typically, typically where you think you are and where you really are are two different places. So what we've done is we've created what we call a, a navigation survey. It's 14 questions long right now. It's going to get a little bit longer, but it's 14 questions. You can go to mynewlifechurch.com to get the navigation survey. It's free. All right, if you'll go to mynewlifechurch.com, up will come our homepage, and then if you'll click on connect right there, then uh, the drop-down menu will show up, this mega menu, and then all you have to do is click on the Journey with Christ Navigation Survey. Now, if you want to know more about what I was just talking about, you can click on the button right above it, four stages. But if you click on the Navigation Survey, it's going to take you to this 14 questions. You get to answer them, right? instantaneously when you're done filling out those 14 questions it's going to give you a number it's going to show you one of the icons step walk run or give it all it's going to show you where you're at spiritually to the best of our ability Um, i'm going to highly encourage you that uh, you need to read the instructions carefully you need to have the right environment to take it don't have an environment where you're distracted have an environment where you can really know god's heart have an environment where you can quiet yourself and go god speak to me as i take this as i take this survey but it's going to spit that stuff out for you. And then it's also going to tell you what are some things you can get involved with here to continue to help you grow. All right? And we're super excited about it. 
like anything, it's not perfect. It's just the best that we have because we love you enough that we don't want to leave you where you are spiritually. So there's a couple of things I just want to drive home really quick. Number one, if you're sitting out there and you're like, well, I've been around this church forever, Jeff. I'm, I'm spiritually mature. That's a fallacy. Length at a church does not equate spiritual maturity. Well, Jeff, I'm older than you. I'm, in fact, I'm twice your age. I, I've known God twice as long as you. I'm spiritually mature. Fallacy again. Age does not equate spiritual maturity. So those are two things that you've got to remember. All right? So that means all of us are on the same playing field. We are all at the same place. We are all trying to become all God wants us to be. And at any given moment, we could, we could let our hands off the reins and we could all drift backwards into a state of just decay. We could, we could fall prey to the second law of thermodynamics, which is left unto itself, everything decays. And if you don't apply some energy and some effort, you too will be left into a decay. So here at our church, we're going to challenge, we're going to inspire, we're going to keep moving people forward. It's even, it's even found in our logo. Take a look at our logo. Our logo here has these two individuals. One's larger, one's smaller. Sure. One of the things that we are is family-oriented. Okay, that's given. We have great youth ministries. We have great children's ministries here at our church. But that's not all that the logo is saying. The logo is also saying that once you were small and now you are large. Once you were at a place where you were just learning how to walk, now you're at a place where you're at giving it all. And there's this symbol of growth in your spiritual life. Not to mention these kind of look like plants kind of growing up. And that's what we're trying to do is we know that God plants a seed in your heart and we're here to try to do everything we can so that that thing can grow and you can become all God wants you to be. But also when you look at this, look, the larger should be discipling the smaller. There's so many, so many little nuances inside of our logo that speak about our DNA. It's just who we are. It's who we've been. It's who we are. It's who we will continue to be. We are a church that sees you where you're at spiritually. We love you enough that we don't want to leave you there, and we desperately want to help you disciple someone else to become all God wants them to be. Well, in closing, to do that, you have to remain, and there's a couple of things here, you have to remain moldable. Moldable. Isaiah chapter 64 says this, And yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are the potter. We all are formed by your hand. You have to remember today. It's important to remember. You and me are just a piece of clay. And the more we stay on the potter's wheel, the more we stay moist, the more we stay, um, you know, pliable, the more that we get shaped into what God wants us to be. The moment you think you look at yourself and you're like, I got this, man. I got this all figured out. This is good. I can, I can go do whatever I want now. I mean, I've been with God for a good length of time. I'm, I'm, I'm solid with God. When you take your piece of clay and you jump off the potter's wheel and you start going to live your life the way you want to, guess what happens to the piece of clay? It starts drying out, starts getting crusty. Starts getting old, starts getting frail, and eventually it all breaks and falls apart. In the end, guess what you're in need of? You have to repent, right? You repent. What does the potter do? He comes over and he picks up all the old pottery. He brings it back to the potter's wheel. He puts the moisture back into it, and he starts spinning the wheel again. And he starts molding it and starts shaping it. 
Because God wants you to become something beautiful. He created you to become something amazing, something beautiful in his presence that makes a massive impact for him. And I know it's hard, but you and me have got to stay on the potter's wheel. No matter how far we go with God, no matter how many accolades we have, no matter how much our experience is with God, we've got to stay on the wheel. None of us have arrived. We never will until the day you stand before God and in front of his throne in heaven. Then and only then have you come to the point where you can say, okay, God, now what? But until that moment, you, lift, you let your life stay on the potter's wheel. That's part of our DNA. So my question to you today is this. How is God trying to shape your heart today? Right? If you're a piece of clay and he's the potter, what's he doing in your heart today? Maybe he's twisting some things inside of your heart and he's going, you know what, I want to help you because you need this to step over the line of faith. Maybe he's wrestling with some things in your heart that, that are keeping you from running. They're, just, they're causing you just to walk in your faith and you've been walking in your faith for years and years and years. Maybe there are some things that God's wrestling with your heart because you're at that give it all stage but pride's starting to grow and he's wanting to like decay that or you know this self assuredness, like I've got this. Maybe he wants to decay that in you and he's wanting to, you know, keep you pliable and moldable because you are in that give it all kind of stage and he wants to keep you there because you can make your greatest impact there. I don't know what God's saying to you, but I just know this. He's wanting you to stay moldable, pliable in his hands because you and me are his hands and we are his feet to the world around us. Let me close with Isaiah chapter six, verse eight. Then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. New life. New lifers, hear me. No matter what community you live in, God's saying, who, who will go as a messenger for me? Who will go into the community and let the world know that I'm alive? Who will go and preach the good news of Jesus? Who will go and they'll do that? Who will do it for me? And if you're a new lifer, I want you to be a person inside of your DNA that stands up and goes, God, here am I, send me. Send me when others don't want to go. Send me, God, when others don't have the faith to see it. Send me, God, when others are trying to figure it all out and they're trying to put the plan together. They're trying to make, you know, uh, one and two and three and four and five. They're trying to figure out all the plans and they're, they're trying to put the A, Bs and Cs together. Before, God, all of that, I'll go. If you put it on my heart, I'll go. I'll love the unlovable. I'll go to the hard place. I'll give beyond what I've ever given before. I'll worship like I've never worshiped before. Here am I, send me. That's in the DNA of our church. Here am I, send me. And we've gone all around the world planting churches. God's asking for a season, the season of time in which we're in. Well, you just simply take the good news of Jesus to your coworkers, to your friends, to your neighbors. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't back down just because you're not seeing things the way they need to be. Live by faith. Live by faith, willing to win the lost into the kingdom of God. Live by faith, willing to follow the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. I mean, the bottom, bottom line of what it means to be at New Life is this. To let Jesus, let Jesus be your leader. Let Jesus be your leader and lead others to Jesus. That's the bottom line. Let Jesus be your leader. That means you're going to have to surrender to him. That means you're going to have to give it all to him. Because when the captain says march, you say, here am I, send me. 
That's what it means to be a part of this church. It means that you're willing to take this, take it to the world around you, and let the world know that Jesus lives. That's our DNA. Let Jesus be our leader, and let's lead others to Jesus. I want you to pray with me. Father, you've called New Life over the years to be a life-giving church, to spiritually lead others, to become all that you've asked them to be, to lay our lives down, to submit our hearts to you, to allow the Holy Spirit to carve away at us um, the, the, op- the things that um, become obstacles for us and for others to follow Christ. You've asked us simply to be clay on a potter's wheel, to never arrive, to never become spiritually prideful, to never think we've got it all figured out, to never think that we've got all the answers, but to continue to allow you to mold us and shape us into who you want us to be. Lord, that's what you've called us to as a church. You've called us to that as individuals. Lord, thank you that you've, you've called us to express that heart of thankfulness and that heart of praise to an almighty, powerful God with passion. Thank you, God. Thank you that we get to come before you these next few moments and we get to worship you with passion. We get to lay our lives down before you. Lord, we're not just talking about God. You are God. We're not just suggesting that maybe you created all things. We know you created all things. We're not just hoping that you have the authority over everything. We know you have authority over everything. And we get a chance to come into your presence and to worship you today with passion in our, in our voice with joy upon our hearts, and with gladness. May our, may, our voices, may our voices ring out with a song, a song of joyfulness, with a song of gladness, with a song of declaration that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. There is no one like you. And Lord, at this church, at this place, this Sunday, may the power of your presence come and meet with us. May you inspire us and challenge us to give a little bit more of ourselves. That a little bit of us would die today and a little bit more of Jesus would come alive. You are our leader. We profess it. We proclaim it. Help us to live it. Help us to lead others to follow you as well. In Jesus' name, let's worship him. Amen.